Welcome back. Hi. Hi. I'm getting a sense of deja vu. (laughs) Take 17. Take 17 of our new setup. Welcome to our podcast, which is highly produced and we're highly professionals. Yes. Highly professional. I'm Kim. I am she, her. My name is Alex. My pronouns are they, them. And welcome to our podcast. How to be queer. How to be queer. Today's episode, you probably read well, of course you Huh? You heard. They heard. They heard. Yes. The title of our episode is. Oh, they heard because they've already seen the title. Yeah. I know. I'm working backwards a little bit. Highly produced podcast we're bringing here, (laughs) folks. This is. The sex episode. The sex episode. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. So originally when we talked about doing a sex episode, we were, we just noticed that as I've gotten older, I metabolize alcohol differently. Mm-hmm. And so where um, wine feels lovely for me, tequila has a very different <laughs> impact. Translation, and Kim sounds like a sailor. <laughs> I do. I lose all sense of maybe that shouldn't come flying out of my mouth. So our friend, Tall Jen, who I think we've probably talked about on here before, she's an amazing bar manager. She's like a craft um, cocktail maker. She's a crafty artist. She is. And so she makes what we used to call a margarita. Uh huh. Not anymore. Not anymore. It's been renamed mm-hmm. because first of all, can we just talk about how good this margarita is? It is amazing. It's so good. I've never had a margarita like it before. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. And it has a certain effect where I, I apparently like I lose all of the things that I'm usually in my head. Like, don't say that, Kim. No one needs to hear that, Kim. <laughs> apparently tequila is like, no, just say whatever you want. <laughs> so there's a new name for this margarita. Do you want to tell everyone what it is? The crotcherita. The crotcherita. Yeah. I mean, that's, and that's maybe even like a, 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 uh, filtered it makes title your... compared to what you've said <laughs> that one night. <laughs> Margarita makes you feel all sorts of things in your crotch. I mean, this is, I can't even believe. I'm so sorry, mom and dad. I am a better person than this right now. I am dying. This is so funny. So this is, we are brought to you. This is how to be queer brought to you, not by crotcheritas today, because it's, it's 1140 in the morning. No, that would be it's, inappropriate. It's not crotcherita time. <laughs> time yet. It is, it is water and hydrate time. Cause I went for a run this morning and um, we're now going to attempt to be professional and bring you this podcast, Yes, which is powered by youth scene. Shout out to youth scene. Check them out on youthscene.org and throw them some money if you can. Throw them some money. Yeah. Because they support excellence in programming like this. They do. (laughs) (laughs) Where we talk about crotcheritas. Oh my gosh. Nobody should listen to this. (laughs) We, Youth Scene does have a, have a a queer sex ed, um, you know, resource and education section. So I, and, and I really want to bring them on. Yeah. Um, because we're going to, we are going to, this is the sex episode, which we're going to say the sex episode number one, because there, this is such a huge topic to talk Mm -hmm. about queer sex. And I know that there's some burning questions out there. Mm -hmm. I I don't even know how we dive in. Are we ready to dive in? That's hilarious. Or, I mean, are you just ready for like one innuendo and pun after another? I mean, it would be right on track <laughs> with the professionalism that we bring to this podcast. It's going to add another layer of, of zhuzh to this podcast. I mean, podcast. We, are, we are highly produced and we are true professionals in the craft of podcasting. We are. I'm ready to dive in. (laughs) (laughs) It's hard because we're facing each other too at at our kitchen table, bringing this to you. So here's where I'm going to start. Okay. Okay. So we talked about this a little bit in the last episode that there was a book that was really transformative to you and I in understanding ourselves and understanding sex. And that book is come as you are, which is Dr. Emily Nagowski. They, they have their PhD. Yes. Um, and they are a New York times bestselling author of the book. Come as you are the surprising new science that will transform your sex life. Otherwise known as a masterclass in the science of sex, how to transform your sex life into one filled with confidence, 
and joy. So you and I read this book. We did. I, well, I, yeah, I read it like, I need to reread. It's, it's a lot. I mean, we're talking about, mm-hmm. a, I mean, it, it's, it, it is the topic of sex. So there's no shortage of things, but we're talking about, you know, a 400 page book here. Yeah. And interestingly to me, I'm going to start my journey with this book and this topic on page 301. Okay. So basically I read through like all these pages, I got to 301 and I'm like, oh my God, this is me. So she talks a lot about, and we're going to talk about this, like what, what your, what is sex and what is the, your sexual map? Like okay. what is your, what is your t- sort of like terrain of understanding sex? And that most people's sexual map is actually unreliable. So the way that we've been taught about sex, the way that that created like a roadmap in your brain, yeah, a lot of us were given like bad information. Yeah. Okay. So this is what was cracking me up because I loved this movie and, and this is like, I'm like, holy shit, this is me. So she's saying most people's sexual maps are unreliable. Uh So she relates it to, do you remember the movie blast from the past with Brendan Fraser? His parents raise him in a bomb shelter because they mistakenly believe that like this nuclear attack has happened in 1962. So they raise him in a bomb shelter for like 35 years. And then he comes out of the bomb shelter. He meets Alicia Silverstone and it's like, he knows nothing. Like everything he's been taught in the bomb shelter is not actually what the world looks like. So, you know, he, he, like what's in his head, right. That he needs to be super polite, um, that, you know, just the way he interacts with the world. It's like, he, he literally is from another time. All the information he's been given is false. And I'm like, I am Brendan Fraser and blast from the past with like, what was taught to me about sex or what wasn't taught to me about sex. Okay. So now I'm this, you know, I've always been queer, but I'm much more in touch with my queerness, but I'm up living in the world. And I'm like, oh my God, I feel like my mental terrain of, of what I was taught about sex is, is not actually accurate at all. Yeah. So the first question is like, well, what is, what is sex? Do you want to take a stab at that one? Well, yeah. And I guess leading into that, that we think of, of sex as that, you know, heteronormative, you're assumed to be straight and, um, cisgender. And so that obviously affects how you view and what is defined as sex. So I think in the, in the terms of like, if we're talking right now about sex in like a heteronormative way, and Alex, I'm going to ask you to, because you do such, you know, all this shit so well, when I say heteronormative, can you tell our listeners what I mean? Um, yeah, I would just say it's this assumption that is everything is straight. You're, you're, you're hetero and cisgender. And so sex is like the man and the woman. Yeah. Man, woman, binary. Right. And it's in the way I think it's depicted to us in movies right? Oh yeah. Is that like man enters woman, woman has orgasm and performs some like magic trick. Oh my gosh. And then they like lay around and the woman holds the sheets up over her boobs and yeah. wraps herself around the sheet to and go to the bathroom. Like, oh, that was so great. And actually she's like, yeah, I'm completely not satisfied. Well, <laughs> come as you are. One of the things that it taught me is that 75% of women cannot have an orgasm through penetration. Mm-hmm. They have to have stimulation in some other way way to have an orgasm. Yeah. So basically every movie that I've ever seen where it depicts heterosexual sex is completely and totally inaccurate. Mm -hmm. Okay. So one of the things about like mapping out the terrain that she put in here is, and this is a little bit more like heteronormative. So we're going to, we're going to move then into the, the more queer world of it is that men's sexuality is simple and women's sexuality is complex. I think that's total bullshit and not fair to men. Um, that women don't have as strong of a sex drive as men, which we'll get into because that's not true. Right. It's just the, we're going to talk about the brakes and the accelerators. Yeah. Um, that orgasm is central to a positive sexual encounter. I mean, <laughs> okay. And that sex is more emotional for women than men. So those are, she's saying like, yeah. these are, these are cultural scenario scripts that are not actually yeah. true. Yeah. And that, that obviously is more heteronormative. 
So if we were to say like in the queer space, what is that same sort of like a cultural scenario script that we're getting? Mm -hmm. And I think it's that you like sex, many of us was defined as penetration. Right. And that is not queer sex. I mean, it can be. It can be. But it can't, it's not solely defined by that. Yeah. Well, because a vagina is made to, right? I mean, there's pen. I'm just going go ahead off. and say it, but yeah. you got to attribute a, a proper body parts to Gwyneth because she taught us a lot. Gwyneth right. Paltrow. Well, well, the <laughs> vagina, right. Let's go a little, little anatomy 101. Yes. The vagina is the actual canal between your cervix, which leads into your uterus and, and then the opening of your, of your body. Yes. But the outside, all the, the outer and the inner there's labia, there's lips, which is makes up all of that. And then there's the, all of that is the vulva. Volvo. But we just not a Volvo. Volvo, not a Volvo, a Volva. But we just say that women have a vagina, which you know, it's that's just the canal. Anyway, and and, and God bless made to be penetrated. because we watched her goop lab, and yeah. she taught us all about the differences between vulvas or what a vulva is, what a vagina is. Like, well, look at you, Gwyneth. Yeah, I mean, she also has like a vaginal steam shower, apparently. Shut the front door. <laughs> no, she's so weird. But she like openly talked about the fact that like she didn't know that she had to have a sex expert come on and like help her learn the parts of her body. Yeah. And then she felt that it needed a steam bath. I don't know about oh. that, but whatever. Okay. So I want to say, like, when we go back to the question of like, what is sex? Mm -hmm. So this is, and again, like, remember, I am Brendan Fraser in, in Blast from the Past, where I'm living in some type of bubble that's not necessarily the actual world of sex. Mm -hmm. Because the first memory I have of somebody talking about sex had to do with the Virgin Mary. Oh. Yes. Which there was no act. No. It was just surprise she's carrying the son of God and has never had, which I mean, I know I, I can't even, but yeah. just because I can't even go down that rabbit <laughs> hole, but that was the, that was, and then Madonna all of a sudden has this song, like a virgin and she's rolling around at the MTV music awards, singing like a virgin touch for the very first time. And the only reason I knew the word virgin was because of Mary. Very. Yes. Confusing. Yes. And I think what I, I've just, what I was, I, that that image of Madonna rolling around is, you know, she's obviously displaying a, a, a sense of um, pleasure in her pleasure. Well, and it was, I guess it was meant to be very empowering. Right. Like, yeah, you should have joy and pleasure is something Ple that pleasure you... is, is a part of that. Yeah. And, and there's, there's a whole thing in this book about if you're, if sex, right, is not about being a Virgin Mary, mm -hmm. right. It's not about having in, you know, it's not necessarily about insertion or penetration. It's about shared pleasure. Yes. So is that what we actually define sex as? Yeah. D shared pleasure. I think that's a probably very simple way to, way to say it. Cause I mean, we do all sorts of things for shared pleasure. And I, and I need that margarita. <laughs> and here we go. Where's the, where's the crush, Rita? So, right. And, and this is where it, I think, you know, for anyone that was, you know, so we're in our mid forties and I even think about like music. Mm -hmm. And so do you remember when we were growing up and George Michael's, I want your sex came out yeah. and people freaked the fuck out. They did. They were like, this can't be on MTV and this is disgraceful and all this stuff. And then I'm listening to like, Juliet is in the car and she knows all the word, but I think she knows the clean version maybe, but to like WAP. Yes. Uh-huh. I'm like, oh my God, we had to pull down George Michael saying, I want your sex. And somehow our 12 year old knows the words to wet ass pussy. <laughs> my how the world has changed and i'm so uncomfortable i know i know their, their world is very different their world is very different and so my mom like when she and i, I want to ask you this question too like if you remember if your mom ever talked to you about sex because my mom told me that sex was she was very in line with the church like don't do it wait till marriage um it's just something that boys are going to like use you for and it's not about love. Men and women view sex very differently. Just basically like, just don't do it. 
And then I was like sent out into the world. There was no conversation about like, does sex with, with a boy even feel right? Like there was nothing like that at all. Right. Did your mom tell you what sex was? We were a very, I would say body positive household um, in terms of, I knew the names of my body parts. Did you know vulva? I did. You knew vulva? I knew vulva, the word vulva, like in elementary school. Shit, you were body positive. Um, And we would like, you know, dance around the room naked and like, but also I I don't remember any specific sex talks because then the first time I had sex, well, sex with a boy when I was 15, um, I made my best friend go buy me condoms because I was too scared to buy them. If I was too scared to buy them, why was I even having sex? Anyway, there's that. But um, but I don't remember actual like sex talk. Yeah, I don't I don't either other than my mom just basically saying like don't do it. And that I grew up in a church system that said, "Hey, the only reason to have sex is to procreate." Mm-hmm. It was for the procreation of children. Um and anything outside of of that was a sin. Yeah. I think, yeah. And, and so we got maybe even, even similarly, similarly, we didn't get, if I didn't get any message, which was maybe just as, I say this with kindness, of course, mom, but just as damaging as don't do it. Right. Because then I ended up. Well, cause you filled in the gaps. I filled in the gaps where I basically let neighborhood, neighborhood boys and, um, these experiences teach me. And it ended up being really kind of harmful. Well, I should say kind of harmful, harmful. Yeah. There's, there's something about the generation that you and I were in and that I I very rarely meet people, um, girls our age. And I'd be really fascinated to hear some of the messages that that men got, Mm -hmm. but I think the messages that, that at least a lot of women in our generation, and I use women, you know, obviously I don't mean to be because you were socialized as, as a, as a woman. So yeah we really got mixed up messages when it came to sex, because we had these iconic, you know, women that were trailblazers coming through and saying, you know, like you had Madonna that was, I mean, she was out there, she was out there, you know, with, with, um, sex being sex positive, being body positive, Mm -hmm. but then really mixed messages from parents and, um, you know, from, from religious institutions, like it was a really confusing I think era to grow up in. Yeah. And I don't know if it's any better now. I mean, I, I definitely have much more conversation with my kids around sex than ever happened with me. I'm sure my mom had more conversations with me than her mother had with her. Yeah. So I, hopefully the, the normalization of talking about sex has gotten better, but when we get to queer sex, because then there's a whole other, that was like us being taught the heteronormative sex. Right. Do you remember when you figured out what queer sex was going to be for you or what you thought? Well, I, I guess I went right to when I figured out when I started having, or thinking maybe I think I'm gay and, um, talk about deconstructing. Like I, I, it was this weird separation or dissociation that it wasn't sex. Oh, interesting. But because I, because I think I was still operating off the idea that, well, sex is between a man and a woman. Mm-hmm. So what is this thing that I'm doing over here that I actually really want to do that? This feels way better in my body and mind and all the things, but yeah. Trying to ma- manage, those trying two to things. manage the two things when they were actually. Yeah. So I think, you know, when I was, um, you know, obviously like I, you know, and I, I need to be somewhat, um, because I, I, I don't want to, this is a, a little bit of a hard podcast to do because we're talking about sex. And it's one thing for me to talk about the experiences that you and I have had together because you're sitting here, a willing participant in this and right. people that I've, I've had sex with in the past, they're not here. Yeah, same. <laughs> and so I need to, um, be, you know, I want to be, uh, you know, transparent, but also I'm not, I don't want to go into the details of, of things that I've done with other people. Yeah. But I think one of the questions I get a lot is, um, and I know you've gotten this too, when you acknowledge your queerness to the outside world, a lot of times people will be like, but you had sex with a man. Yeah. And I'm like, well, 
Yeah, of course I did. Now, yeah. I, now I know we've got, we've got a lot of gay friends that they've never um, had sex with people that have the opposite body parts as them. Right. But it's pretty common for most queer people that you would have had sex with a person in a hetero normative way. And for me, it's like, I, I always love when people go, but you had sex with a man. I'm like, <laughs> yes, I did. Yeah. And, and not even just one man. Um, but what I would say is that, and this is a hard, this is something I would probably want allies to understand. If you grew up in a place where like, you didn't know that queerness was yeah. a thing, you're, you're having heteronormative sex and you get that on some level, like something is not yeah. right. And that can actually be very, very scary. Yeah. So I think what I was, um, what I was experiencing is I would experience like, I love this person. Mm -hmm. I want to, I want to, I feel something for them, but then you would get into a sexual situation and I'm like, why does this feel so wrong? Mm -hmm. And so then there was the wrongness of like the messages that I was getting from religion, which is you're not trying to procreate right now. Should you be doing this? Shame, 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 guilt, guilt, guilt. And then the feeling of like, well, I'm also just a young woman and I don't really feel comfortable yet in my own body because of my own insecurities. So there's that awkwardness. Mm -hmm. Then you gave me a healthy dose of like, I don't think I feel right doing this. So it took me a long time to figure all of those things out and to be like, oh, all of those things are true. I was given unhealthy messages about sex. Yeah. I was given unhealthy messages of what my body looked like Mm -hmm. and beauty culture and these ridiculous ways that we think that we're supposed to look. Um, and then I was queer. So I was trying to figure out a lot. So it feels harsh, but like, I can't say the men that I had sex with, I knew that something was really wrong. Yeah. And I just took that on myself as a part of like shame. Like, can't you just work harder at this? Like, how do you work harder at sex? Yeah. Like I had, I would have, you know, it was like, well, I'll just keep going and figure this out. Like I'll just, and then, and then you actually never, there's never any, it just didn't, you just come back to the same place. Right. Where this isn't working. This, this doesn't. And then, and then you kind of, I mean, for, for me, I think I ended up, um, this is really like a crass kind of simplified way to say, it, but you kind of end up like performing to oh, make God, yourself yeah. believe that you um, that you're really into it. Like, well, maybe if I just, I mean, really, if I, if I'm louder or if I uh, arch my back, arch my back or way. if I do these crazy positions with this person or or I let this person do this thing to me or, and this will make this all connect and make sense. Yeah. It's interesting you say that. Cause you and I have obviously had a ton of transparency because we're, we're partners. And even though it is none of my business, what you did with your body before I showed up. Right. And it is not, but I think yeah. as partners, like you kind of established, like, well, what can we talk about and what we can't talk about, yeah. but just because you're partnered with someone that does not give you any right to know their sexual history, right. as long as, you know, safety. Right. right? Okay. Yeah, of course. But one of the things that when you just said that about the performative aspect that we take on, I think it's like, we kind of went in different directions, Yeah. right? Like you definitely went into this direction um, that you went into, which was like, well, let me, let me try these things and let me do this with this person. And I went like cold and dead inside, yeah. oh. <laughs> right? Where I was like, I just can't, I can't physically connect to another person. Yeah. And, um, actually, and, and I don't believe I'm oversharing in this, but the, the person that I had kids with, we knew right from the very beginning, like sexually, we were not going to be matched, mm-hmm. but we had an enormous amount of love and respect for each other. And that was what we had a sexual, uh, we had a successful relationship on, but there wasn't intimacy between us. Yeah. And it's, you know, he has um, his reasons and, but my reasons were absolutely, I, I just, it could, I couldn't get it to feel right. And instead of trying different things, yeah, I shut down into a spiral of shame. Okay. Yeah. For, yeah. But you definitely, that was not your experience. Yeah. I mean, for me too, like the person I had, um, kids with, like I was upfront too, where I was even like, I'd, I'd come out as gay two years before. And so I was wow. like, I'm, I'm gay. I've been dating women for, you know, th- th- this and that. And, um, I remember, you know, him just kind of saying, well, okay, like, well, 
and it was just this, I don't know if it was like a, some kind of surrender on my part of like so many different things, but, but with the, with, again, back to our, our topic, um, I guess I'm getting a little uncomfortable, not because I don't want to talk about it, but I just actually don't know. Cause there were, I would share, I would be vulnerable about experiences I had. And, um, I mean, I got dismissed and exploited. Oh. So great. Yes. You're gay. Well, let me be a part of this, which can allow you to be gay because I mean, I was, I was there, I was in it, but I also was so, so many things, um, you know, now looking back, realizing like, oh, that's what was happening is that I really wasn't seen as a, as a human or, or a valued or a person I was, um, yeah. So I think too, like with, because at the time you were, uh, this was before you got the language for non-binary too. Yeah. So in these, in this conversation that you and I are having, you are still identifying at that point as a, as a woman, even though we know an understanding language, you've never been a woman. You've always been non-binary, but yeah. at the time that was the language you had is that you were a woman, you were female. Yeah. I was using tomboy and I was even, even saying like, like bisexual, bisexual. Yeah. Okay. And so how much of, because it's, it's so fascinating to me. And, and we've had this conversation with Brofriend too, that for, and people have asked me too, like, well, aren't you just bisexual because you've had sex with men and with women, wouldn't that make you bisexual? And I'm like, no, yeah. I'm, I'm not bisexual yeah. at all. But yes, I have had sex with people, both, uh, you know, of, of men and with women. Yeah. And it feel, it feels completely different, it's completely different, <laughs> completely different. Like, I don't even know how you would put them in the same bucket as, as essentially it's, it's sex completely different. But I, I do think like for women who are by bi, quote unquote bisexual, they do tend to, there's an ex, there's an ex, an expletive part of that yeah. where it had been almost normalized in society of like, well, this is something that girls get to try on. Men do not get to explore bisexuality. Right. Right. We still haven't bridged, I think societally what that looks like, but even if you go on, like, if you go on to, um, I think it's Pornhub, which is like the free mm-hmm. and how the porn industry like really changed people with sex, but the most common um, searches are for lesbian sex. Mm-hmm. And most of the people that are on Pornhub are actually like, they've seen, I don't think it's, I'm sorry, I'm going to put this, this, this data wrong. The most commonly searched thing on Pornhub is for lesbian sex. Yeah. The largest area of like, um, audience data uh-huh. is it's women. Oh, it's yeah. women watching lesbian sex, lesbian sex. So it's fascinating where I'm like, well, I don't know that there's that many of us that are like still living in a closet, but has it just been socialized for us that it's okay for women to have sex together and then have sex with a man. And it's not been normalized for men to have sex with each other and to have sex with women. Yeah. That's, that would be some toxic masculinity right there. Right. Because they're not ready to like acknowledge that sexuality for a lot of people can be fluid regardless if you're man or woman. Yeah. Ooh, that's a philosophical, my, yeah. Yeah. You're giving me the eyebrows. Yeah. Cause I'm how it's more acceptable for, yeah. Women to be with women, but for, for men's benefit. Yes. But not okay for men to be with men. And a woman. And a woman. Right. So, yeah. so well, <laughs> it's so funny because a lot of our gay um, male friends, if you ask them about being with women, they're like, oh, dear God, what was it? Our one friend was like, I touched a vagina once it was wet. I got creeped <laughs> out and then I never wanted to touch it again. <laughs> right. So, yeah. so I think, you know, you do kind of, but going back to, for you, you were in a marriage where it was, you were bisexual in that marriage and we're having experiences that were, you know, it was more of an open marriage situation. Mm -hmm. Is that the word? Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of like decided from the get-go, like that sounds, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, we were essentially in an, in an open, open marriage and gosh, where do I, where do I start? I'll start anywhere. I just, 
I, I don't know. I don't know where to tell you, where to, where to tell you to start, but for us being a couple, what's interesting is I was in what you would define as a sexless marriage. Okay. Right. So there was no sex really in my hetero marriage. And we both openly talked about it Yeah, openly with each other, not the outside world. Um, we talked about it with each other, very supportive of understanding who we were and where we were and what we were to each other. Um, and that's why I think he and I have such a different relationship because when I was like, I, I need to just be gay and be out. He was very supportive. He was like, yeah, you do. You just, you deserve that. Yeah. You deserve, if you want to be in a relationship that is sex as a um, part of it and, and being a queer woman that it's sex with a body that looks like this, like, yeah. And that, I do think that's probably why he and I are in the place that we are now. Yeah. And he's gone on and has a relationship with a woman that I think is very fulfilling for him and what he wants. Mm -hmm. And now I need to not talk about him anymore because I feel like I'm on that line of like, he's going to be like, Kim, can you shut the fuck up? Yeah. <laughs> so let me turn it back over to you. If, if you were in an, you were, you would define your, your marriage previous to me as open. Yeah. So I guess we can do a little, like little bullet points. Cause those mm. are easy, hopefully easy to follow. So like, you know, came out as gay, um, met the person I had kids with said, Hey, you know, this is me. Um, gender wise, I feel a little bit like a boy, a little bit like a girl. Um, and he, then him just saying, great. Okay. Awesome. That's, I accept you. And me being like, oh, great. You accept me. Awesome. So it's like, I entered into this relationship where I, I didn't accept who I was. And then this, I had this person saying, I, I accept you. And so I'm like, okay, well maybe actually had nothing to do with, with, um, maybe I'm not gay, maybe, you know, so you go through all these diff different questions, but so, um, we, I mean, gosh, I remember there was, do I, I don't know how many details do we go into. Do we want to know details? I don't know if they're really important. I don't know that you have to, nope. you do, you do you boo. What feels yeah. good. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's fascinating to understand how different people like where they've been. Cause here's the thing. We're going to get to what our life is like now. Yeah. So I would share the details of where you've been. If it helps illustrate how you feel about sex now. Yes. Um, I would just, I, then I would just say, then we had, you know, I, I navigated different experiences in an effort to figure out myself and what my queerness really was and my identity really was. And so I went external, I went out, I went to, I'm like, I want to have all of these experiences to, to get it, to understand it. Um, cause I had, I think I had this idea somewhere along the line there, like the, like the, the idea that, um, you know, you, you do to learn you experienced to learn. Right. And so I, it was literally like you had to do sex. So I did, I did things to experience, to understand myself and how I fit in the world. And in my, um, so my non-binary-ness, you know, kind of got pushed off to the side, essentially my, but, but it's in terms of understanding my sexuality, as I got older, it was very clear. I'm like, oh, I'm, you know, but as then our, our marriage kept going and, and, and as I got older and understood and, um, cognitively and, and emotionally more, more aware and more mature, I was like, yeah, I'm like super gay. <laughs> like, don't touch me, men. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. And I think that, so this is, you know, now, so both of our marriages, um, ended yep. and we're together. Yeah. Yes. The best ever. And so sex <laughs> So, so in the past I would have, I think I had a very stereotypical view of sex that it was very much initially men and women. And then, well, maybe not just men and women, there's different combinations that you can have here. I've, yeah. I've never experienced um, multiple partners at the same time. That's never, I don't have the self. I, I couldn't do that. I'd been asked a couple of times and almost yeah. felt a little bit like manipulated in that way yeah. um, by a person I was with really manipulated me badly to be like, I think you're queer. And so we should do this together. And I'm like, um, no. no, thank yeah. you. I'm not here. Uh, that was not something I was comfortable with. And that relationship ended. Um, 
but now when I think about sex and then I'm in a committed relationship with, you know, the person that I'm supposed to be with, I really define sex differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'll say, because you know me, I'm going to go up in the stars with you. <laughs> Every fucking time is like an emotional mind blow. Like that's how I, you know, it's just yeah. anyway. So that's where we are today. Okay, we yeah. live in a place of sex <laughs> that we would define it not as penetration, but as mind blow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe there's penetration, maybe there's not like, but. yeah, there's, there's lots of different ways. I think that you can define sex, but I think the way you and I have defined it is it's a, it's a pleasurable experience between two people. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And you can define pleasure in many different ways. And that might be dearly reader or listeners, all the <laughs> details readers. you get. So we're, because we're not going to sit here and, and play out the things that we no, do with each other. That's, that's obviously the, a boundary and it's not yeah. appropriate for anybody to know. And I can't imagine that anybody wants to know. Either. No. Nobody wants to hear what you do in bed with another person. No. Cause they have their, yeah, it's you got your own. Like, and, yeah. and I certainly don't want to hear about, we're not here for porn. We're just here to, we can point you in the direction to go. go yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're not here for it. We're not here, here for your, your entertainment in that way. In that way. Mm-hmm. Here's where my thinking around sex and understanding it differently though, has gotten really fascinating. And I'm going to bring it back to this book, which okay. is come as you are. And so I have learned from come as you are that being socialized as women and you're, we'll talk about how you think about this because you and I are very different when it comes to this, which is amazing. Cause we were both socialized as women, but yeah. your connection with sex is different than mine. That you haven't, I guess you're going to explain it better, to, better, but for, for people that tend to be socialized as women with sex, it's not to say that men can't feel this. Of course they can. We can all feel whatever we want to feel, but mm-hmm. it, 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 I'm going with like data that most women, they, they say fit into these categories that you have accelerators and you've got breaks mm-hmm. when it comes to sex. So accelerators being things like it could be songs, it could be smells, it could be um, visual, right? Like you see your partner or you see whatever it is that you see. And those are the things that are like, oh yeah, like it triggers something in my brain. Like I want to have sex, Mm -hmm. but you also have, you are looking at me. Why are you looking at me like this? Well, you're, you're talking and I can't help, but I'm I'm and keep going. Don't pay attention to me. (laughs) Seriously. I'm sorry. And then you have the breaks. And so the breaks are for most women, all of the shit that they have to deal with all day. Yeah. So, you know, it could be like, if you're, I love this, that, you know, this, in this book, they make this connection for you. Like, so if most women are living with accelerators and breaks, but the breaks tend to be things that show up in your day-to-day life. Well, Captain Underbite is definitely a break. <laughs> Did you hear him? Yeah. Listeners. He's, he's, he, yeah. Okay. <laughs> keep going. Oh. Okay. <laughs> uh, we're going to keep it rolling. Okay. So the breaks could be, um, your kids, you're taking care of kids. Um, you're doing dishes. You go up to bed at night and there's piles of laundry to put yeah. away. You maybe have had a child like physically touching you all day. So the idea oh. of another human being touching you is like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. Yeah. I just got this kid off me. Yeah. Um, as Glennon says, the dripping with children, dripping with children. Yeah. Right? Like that is real Totally to feel like your body is, has been touched all day or being used by another person all day. And it's like, that's the last fucking thing you want. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got work tomorrow. I didn't put my eye wrinkle cream on. I've got to get up and run five miles tomorrow morning. I just so ate a pizza. I just, <laughs> <laughs> yours would be, I ate a pizza. Oh, I got a food baby. I can't. <laughs> Your breaks are definitely a food baby. Mine is like, I have to get up and run five miles tomorrow morning. <laughs> so all of those things are like the perp stop. Like yeah. I'm not doing this. So that's when the book gets into this explains why hotel sex is so fucking amazing because there's no breaks in the hotel room. There's no, I mean, I'm assuming you're not on. Can we just have a standing hotel <laughs> reservation like twice a week? <laughs> twice a week, oh, for heaven's sake. 
but that's why like it's so fascinating to me when women are like oh i went on vacation and like we had really great sex yeah i'm like right because you didn't have any breaks in the room yeah like the hotels and vacations like the room is asking for sex because that's what you're there to do mm-hmm Right. So when we go, like when you, so Mike, we both took the quiz to understand oh, yeah. our accelerators and our breaks and where we live. I've just been talking for a while. So I'm going to shut up now. And cause you went through. So what I learned was that I have, a, I have accelerators and I know really clearly what my breaks are and breaks for me are, is kind of like the day-to-day shit that I have to deal with. Yeah. So then the book takes you through, well, how do you start to remove some of those breaks? and give in to your accelerators. Yeah. I need to revisit that part too. But how was, when you think about your brakes and accelerators, like how are they, how, what are yours? Um, <laughs> honestly, <laughs> um, my, my brakes, uh, my accelerate, my accelerators, I have, you know, obviously I'm just going to be completely transparent. Like with, with you, I have very little breaks. Um, <laughs> so you're ready really for, you're ready for sex. Yeah. But I think, you know, I've never felt the way I felt in a relationship ever before than, you know, I do with you. So like any, any, any chance to like, clear the world and be in a bubble with you. Like I'm going to, I, I go for it, but, um, I get obviously what we're saying and what the book is saying. I just, um, um, and then accelerators, you know, are you asking what they are? I'm just asking, like when you went through this book and you are identifying like, well, what are breaks and accelerators for me just to understand yourself better? What did you end up understanding? It sounds like you have very little breaks. Well, <laughs> or you do. Everybody when, does. Yeah, I think what's what's interesting, like I'll I'll wake up in the middle of the night with you know a, a stressor or like you know a worry and all, but um, um, going to bed or waking up in the morning, um, it's almost like I have like if sometimes feels like there's like pillows or cushions, and then and then I'll wake up in the middle of the night with like oh my gosh, there's all this stuff, so. Um, and then my, 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 I don't know where to go from there. Well, can you tell me a little bit about, so before, before you got the language for non-binary yeah, has, and then you get the, the line you're like, oh, I understand my physical body. Did your experiences around sex change? Once I figured out I was non-binary. Yeah. Yeah. I started, I started to, um, un kind of, I did was trying my best to, to pull off as many pieces of armor as I could. And so, um, because I wanted understanding and I wanted, it was important for me to, I wanted to connect to you and I wanted you to connect to me. And I knew that the, the more I understood you know, that it would, it would create that. But, um, my non-binariness kind of, because I remember when I first under, when I first figured it out, um, I was still shoving myself into this binary of like, what does sex look like? What are the messages and things you get obviously from the media and things like that of what it looks like to have sex as a man and what does it look like to have sex as a woman? And I had to completely deconstruct all of that. And it was just kind of months and maybe even like, like years since I've, well, since I've been coming out of like what, um, now it's more of a state of like, I just, you just are just I'm here. Well, and I think for, you know, for, I know that we were looking at some of the demographics of um, people that follow us and we do have a, a, a decent percentage of people that are not um, in a binary that listen to us. And I remember, and I think it's maybe this is something that's like important to um, talk about was that when you, and I hope I'm not oversharing, but I'm no. okay. But one of the things I remember you going through um, when you had sort of stepped into okay, I have the language now for non-binary. 
Um, and I, you had underlined it in here and that's why I'm looking through the book again, but when we talk about orgasms, yeah, when you had gotten the language around non-binary orgasms changed and it had to change a little bit for you of like, okay, is the focus of sex actually an orgasm or is it, I just have to, to go with the, go with the flow yeah, and think about it in different ways. Well, and you, yeah, you and I talked about it a lot that sex does not necessarily have to end with an orgasm. And maybe that was part of my conditioning of what sex was, was that, you know, you both are at least the man essentially ends with an orgasm and, um, oh, okay. Cause, um, I remember with, with, in my therapy sessions, and I actually saw a, like a specific, like a sex therapist who just said, you know, you're learning your body again. So put an orgasm off to the side. And then I would have guilt around not having one because I thought that that's what would, that's what sex was. That's what would make it good for you and good for me that we, we all needed to have an orgasm. And it was like this conscious, conscious, um, you're, you're just enjoying the person you're with and you're learning each other's bodies and in my own body. Mm-hmm. And, um, back again to that word experience. I guess that's when I, I just handed Alex the book too, of like they read this book, I think right around the time that you had, you were transitioning and you did underline, yeah. um, a lot of places in this book that were about not being a spectator yeah, and sort of being much more in your body and throwing away kind of those normatives, those, those messages that were sent to us, like, well, sex is penetration. Sex is really centered around male ejaculation. Yeah. Um, what does it look like when you take all of those things out of what the experience is, how can you just kind of sit in it mm-hmm. and say, I'm just here for the experience of being with another person. Yeah. And that to me is like, that to me is the biggest difference. in like, when we talk about our podcast, like how to be queer, that was one of the biggest things that I had to learn, right. Was that my queerness, it wasn't about putting on a show for a man, Mm -hmm. which was first how queer was explained to me. Right. Yeah. Threesomes. And I was like that, I just knew that that was not going to work at all for me. That's not, and please understand, I'm not passing any judgment on anyone that that is the experience that it, or the gateway for them to understand. Right. I've got, I've got, just no, wasn't for you. It just wasn't yeah. for me. Um, but then stepping into, okay, I've been completely programmed to think of sex as procreation, man and woman penetration. And also that like, there was elements that it was like, I was a spectator. I was a spectator of what was yeah. happening. I wasn't actually in yeah. my body when it was, because I couldn't understand. Yeah. I mean, you're, we're essentially dissociating. I did. Going I, definitely, somewhere else. I went somewhere else during sex. And so part of it, I, and it, I, I do think that when we talk about, you know, oh, well, how did you, how did you not know that you were queer or how did you know you were queer? It's, I want people to have like, have that empathy for someone who, if you're not given the message of what queer is, or that queer is even an option, it's really scary to be having sex with someone. And you're like, this isn't something's wrong. Yeah. Um, and then not having the language to say, oh, it's not that something's not wrong. It's just, I haven't been given this expansive view of mm-hmm. what sex could be. It doesn't yeah. have to be about penetration. It doesn't have to be with a man. It doesn't have to be about orgasm. It's actually about something completely different. And so once I started to get that understanding, I understood myself and could relax a lot more, mm-hmm. but I think, you know, just, I, I think allies out there, just be careful with your words. When you say things like, well, why would you have married a man? Why would you have sex with a man? It's like, it's not this clear path yeah. that someone takes. And that also understanding a lot of times when we first have sex, we're actually pretty young. Yeah. And so how much of it is, you know, okay, I was having sex in my late teens. How much of that was, am I 
queer. Something's not working. I don't understand what it is. I'm trying really hard to play this part. I'm saying all the things I'm, I'm moving like the way I think I'm supposed to move. Something doesn't feel right. I'm really, really scared. But then how much of that is like awkward teenage sex versus I was queer. Totally. Cause I remember as it, I mean, I'm just going to go for it. Like as a teenager, like you're given a, a blow job to someone and you're like, but as a teenage girl, oh. like that's, that's the message. Like, well, I need to make sure that I'm, I'm there for their, it, I guess it just speaks to, again, I, my role as a, as a condition, as a female is to make this man feel good yeah, and, and forget myself. My pleasure is not even entering onto the table here. My right. pleasure is not even a, even a thing. I don't know if so. So yeah, it's, it's really, it's painful in a way to have to acknowledge and look back at what those experiences were because some of these experiences were with people I deeply loved Yeah, and feeling like, why can't I make this work? Yeah. And thinking it was, I really thought that it was me, like something was really wrong with me. Yeah. And so Glennon Doyle talks about this and it's interesting because I had a very similar experience to her Mm -hmm. where when she was in her, she was trying to make things work with her husband Mm -hmm. and she went to a therapist and she tells the therapist, like every time I have to have sex with him, I am just so angry. I'm angry. I don't want to be there. It doesn't feel good. They had done everything from like, put her on testosterone all this stuff, like the problem was her. Yeah, It wasn't that, you know, she was queer or she just didn't, you know, feel the way that she was supposed to feel. None of that. It was all about, she, there was something wrong with her. And I definitely felt that too. She goes to the therapist and the therapist is like, well, have you tried giving blowjobs? Maybe that will help you. <sighs> so again, like putting it right back on her. Yeah. And I remember I've seen, I have seen a number of therapists over the years. And I remember one of the therapists I went to, I kept trying to say to them, like, I'm telling you something is wrong. Something is wrong. There's something wrong with my body. There's something wrong with my brain. And she said basically the same thing. Have you tried creating like a menu for sex? Like what's on your menu, write it out and give it to your partner. (laughs) It never fucking occurred to her to be like, you're with the wrong partner. Yeah. There was nothing wrong with me. I could have created a menu of like every sexual act to do, and it still was not going to. Yeah. And so that to me is why having queer therapists. Yes. And normal. And even if you're not a queer therapist, but if you're a therapist, like, please go and get some resources to know, like when a young woman is sitting or a young man or young human being is sitting across the table from you saying, I keep trying to be a sexual partner and I keep failing. Yeah. Something doesn't feel right. I feel like I'm, I said the same thing. Like there's something wrong with me. And there was nothing, and there wrong. was nothing wrong with me. It was just, I, yeah. Cause I remember, you know, we talked about this with, um, I, I did a lot of Reiki therapy and the, and the, and the person helped me through, through, through tremendous things, but you know, her just saying, well, let's just put your sexuality over here. We know basically saying, we know you're gay. Let's put it over here. And And then, you know, I can get really angry about that. And also though, there's an aspect of understanding I had to come to terms on my own. She really kind of did actually do the right thing where she put it back on me. Like, okay, yep, you're gay. Let's put it over here. We're not going to throw it away. We're, we're putting it on the side and you're the one that has to figure out where this is all going to go, which, which I, here I am. (laughs) You're super gay, super gay. Yeah. But yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, it's okay. I just think, you know, there's all these aspects of like, when we talk about sex, it's, it's all of these things. It's, you know, getting me, um, having it normalized that if heterosex isn't feeling right for you, yeah. Give yourself permission to look at that. Yeah. And, and hopefully find maybe a therapist that can help you navigate it. Mm Mm-hmm deconstructing Mm -hmm. a lot of the messages that we got around what sex is. Sex is not about male ejaculation. And it was really forced to us that I think it was. Um, And then lastly, understanding myself now in a, in the relationship I'm supposed to be in with a person with all the body parts that I'm supposed to be in understanding myself 
yeah. what triggers me to want to have sex, what triggers me to be like, there is no fucking way I'm doing this tonight. Right. <laughs> or this morning. Yeah. Or it's noon. Like, <laughs> yeah. And so it's, it's interesting to me, like my understanding of sex has only deepened as I've deepened my relationship with myself. Yeah. And now I understand it. Now I'm like, oh my God. So what didn't make sense for decades, there was never anything wrong with me. Yeah. You're perfect. So are you. <laughs> so are you. Yeah. I just wish sometimes like, yeah, you know, you know, you can't play that game. Like what would my life have looked like if I had figured things out earlier than I did, or yeah. it's actually scratch that I've always known. Yeah. What would my life have looked like if I would have had the courage? Oh, yeah. I mean, I knew from like fourth grade, mm -hmm. something was wrong. Mm -hmm. Well, and I, you know, I've, I can do the same thing to myself. Cause I, I knew, um, as I definitely knew my, my gender identity when I was like five, but you know, I see what you're saying is that if you had the courage or, I don't know, that's why we're here. We're talking about this because we're trying to make the world. Yeah. That, that know, it's never too late. Also. It's never too late. And, and there's a reason, you know, this is kind of a, I don't know if it's a weird example, but there's a reason that, you know, like, like TikTok has, there's the joke about the lesbian TikTok, you know, hashtag of like all these lesbians, you know, newsflash, they've always been a lesbian or yeah. they've always been gay. It's not like they're just discovering, oh gosh, I'm midlife. And it's, it's, there's, there's a, there's a, there's an awakening to, oh shit. And, and now I'm here and it's okay. I'm yeah. Yeah. The, the, I know it's very true. Like there's, there is the, the whole thing on TikTok. Like, well, I guess every like woman in our mid forties is now gay. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, no, that's actually not even, you know, remotely close to right. true. This, this can go down a little bit of a rabbit hole. That is not actually true. However, have we, um, and this is again, what we're hoping to do on our podcast. Are yeah. we having the conversations or we're, we're putting ourselves out there to invite people into this conversation that it is actually, regardless of how old you are, mm -hmm. regardless of what messages that you've been given, trust that, you know, yourself yeah. and your own feeling in your body. And nobody should be able to take that, talk you out of manipulate it. Like, even if it's a therapist, because we have to acknowledge there's a lot of therapists out there that they don't just like mine did. Mine never thought to say to me, do you think you're queer? Right. So how can you sink into that super quiet knowingness Yeah. and trust yourself? Now, is it easy to come out? Well, if you're listening to our podcast, you've probably figured out there's parts of it that are easy and there's parts of it that are not. Yeah. That's a journey. Yeah. For a lot of people, your family, school, the world, workplaces make, they, all these factors are legit, make it hard to listen to your own voice and, and to re remember that you are an incredibly strong person and, and your courage was, and you deserve to be who you and are. You deserve to be who you are. We all do. And it's okay that, you know, our voices get drowned out some, sometimes, and it's okay. And we get louder in other times. It's interesting to me though, that most of the people, um, most people, when I did finally come out to them and say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a lesbian, like, this is who I am. I'm gay. Yeah. Um, most of them did say, well, why did you have sex with me with a man? Why did you get married to a man? Why did you do all these things? And I'm like, how much time you got? Um, and it's, it is that, you know, people do need to kind of pull back to that 30,000 foot view and say, Oh, well, when you look at all of these things, it makes sense that there are probably a lot of gay women and gay men that are in relationships that in a lot of ways are probably very fulfilling. Mm -hmm. They probably are filled with love and companionship and family, mm -hmm. but our sense of self and needing to be who we are sometimes does trump that. And for yeah. some people it doesn't, and they stay in the closet and I have no judgment for you if that's where you are. Um, I think I can only offer the advice that it was incredibly hard to come out 
in my forties. Yeah. Even though I had known since my twenties that I was gay. Yeah. It was very hard to bring that and just say, I'm just going to be here because I knew that there was going to be pretty big consequences to doing it. And there were, Mm -hmm. I also don't regret it at all. Yeah. So, and I wouldn't, there is the idea of having, when I think about like, what if I never came out Mm -hmm. that thought almost can put me into like a pure, like panic stricken Yeah, because I'm my inside and the happiness that I feel inside with just being able to be who I am Mm -hmm. sexually, intimacy, you know, intimacy, like it trumps everything. Yeah. And I knew as painful as it might be for a short period of time, which it was right. I just had to move through it. Yeah. And I did. I think I want to also acknowledge, you know, for, because bring it to the assumptions on physicalities. So like, you know, for when you, you're saying you came out and and the challenge, like that, like you have a shirt that says, no one knows I'm gay or nobody knows I'm a lesbian. And, and that, um, you know, for you, you're, you're a feminine presenting, you know, female identifying person that, that, that is the message or is the, is the idea that well, no one that looks like you could possibly be gay. Oh, it shocks people. Right. Because and their bias is telling them that a lesbian looks like me looks like, or you. someone that's more um, masculine. masculine or, yeah. Yeah. So I think what's, I'm like trying to acknowledge like, um, well, the differences, I guess, because like, no one said that to me. No, no one, one was shocked when you came out. I mean, no one said to me, you know, like, well, then why'd you marry a man or why did you have sex with a man? And like, it was almost like, well, duh, like, but that's, you know, purely based on how we show, I I guess how we physically show up, how we physically show up differently. And in that, um, oh gosh, where am I going with it's just, um, different challenges and Mm -hmm. what, you know, what it was like for you That is a challenge. Like I do kind of wear funny shirts sometimes that say, you know, Mm -hmm. that put like my, my gayness, like right in your face Yeah, because I get very tired of feeling like I'm not a part of the community just because I don't fit into a mold of what somebody thinks the community should look like. Right. And that's another narrative that I'm like, I get to actually look however the fuck I want to look and I get to be fucking gay. Yeah. So (laughs) there's that. Um, but I think the question a lot of lesbians get is, well, which one is the man sexually? Yeah. And that is another thing where I'm like, "Mm, first of all, whatever gave you the right that you thought you could ask that Mm -hmm. because we don't go around to straight couples asking them, well, which one of you does this? Right. Like we would never in a million years do that, but gay couples get asked that all the time. Yeah. Well, who's a top and who's a bottom and who's the man and who's this? Oh, and I get it. You know, Alex is super masculine and Kim is super feminine. So they make sense. Right. I'm like, well, we're actually not here to make sense to you. Yeah. We're here to make sense to ourselves and each other. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. Yeah. We are here to make sense to ourselves and to each other. And the rest of y'all can, maybe you got something you need to look at. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I don't think that's mine. Yeah. You know, Gloria Steinem has this like really famous quote where she says, you know, the truth sets you free, but it's going to piss you off in the, t- in, the yeah. in the way to get there. Yep. And that, that's one of them. Like the truth was like, I'm gay. You're gay. We're supposed to be together, but the process of coming out and having the world acknowledge that we were gay and acknowledge that truth does piss me off sometimes. Not mm-hmm. even sometimes piss me off a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else you want to add to sex part one? Oh yeah. We're going to have a part two. I have no idea how long we've been talking. I think it's probably been an hour. Oh, geez. I don't know what time is it. Yeah. It's been about an hour. I feel like maybe we took people all over the place with us today. Well, um, y'all should email us or contact us through social media and give us your questions and and maybe specific topic with, within the, within this topic. Uh, the book is come as you are by Emily Nagoski, Nagowski, PhD, the surprising new science that will transform your sex life. And you can find us on how to be queer podcast at gmail.com for email. I would really love if anyone else out there 
gets this book um, and has thoughts, or maybe you just listen to this podcast and you have you know thoughts or questions about your own relationships with the messages you got about sex and how that, because this to me is like, yes, there's a part of this that we're talking about how to be queer, but there's also, I think for, for, for anyone of a certain, I'm going to say it of a certain age, there was a lot of language we didn't have about understanding sex, especially women. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really fascinated too to talk to men because they obviously got another, uh, you know, with toxic masculinity, they have a, that's a whole other topic that I obviously not being a man, I don't feel really comfortable diving into other than yes, my, you know, men feel intimacy and men feel emotions mm-hmm. and they should feel that during sex too. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure that they get messaging sometimes that they can, that it, right. it's very much about them being like a conqueror of something. Like you yeah. get the girl kind of, yeah. Like, Oh, and go I'm get like, it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, but sex should be really and say it should be very sacred and important to them too. Mm-hmm. We should need to normalize that. Yeah. I think we're doing a better job of it, but I don't know. Yeah. Maybe we're not. Oh, well, I think with, with, with queer kids and, and kids, like, you know, I think a good segue of, of course, is as you're, as the kids are little talking about body parts because, and then talking about as they get older, then it goes into what they're going to be doing with those, with those body parts. Well, and for parents, yeah, because I know we have a lot of parents of queer youth, Yeah, you know, understand that like they more than likely are going to try to do things with both sexes. Mm-hmm. Right. And that if they do something with a certain, you know, like with a, a member of the opposite sex of them, and mm-hmm. it doesn't like, it's okay to say to them, it might not feel right. Yeah. And we should normalize talking about that. Because I thought for years and tried really hard to be like, is there something wrong with me? Yeah. There was nothing wrong with me. Yeah. Why is my body not really responding? Why does this feel so off? I love this person. Right. And that's, there's a lot of pain in that for both parties. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay. 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 We'll pause there. Yeah. We're going to have a part two. Okay. And with, with, with Crotcheritas with Crotcheritas next time. (laughs) It's the worst name ever. I mean, we could essentially, this podcast could be about sex for like the rest of this, you know, I mean, it could, we could could talk a lot. There's so many layers to it, but, um, because then it's, yeah, it's body. It all the things. Sex is not a spectator sport. No. Normalize having conversations around queerness and sex. Mm-hmm. There's Consent. nothing wrong with you. <laughs> nothing wrong with you. I mean, in regardless of your gender, or you're, you know, talking with your kids, obviously about consent. Consent's a big one. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, and maybe we'll put it if we ever, are we, div- I don't even know. I, do we have social media pages? You know, all the things, but yeah. Yeah. There's this one thing about consent. Um, a friend of mine had shared it with me years ago um, and they use the example of like bringing someone tea. Oh, like a cup of tea. Okay. It's really good around consent. Oh, and like how to talk to like teenagers about what consent looks like. I've never heard that one before. It's very good. I will share it with you. Okay. Okay. We'll put it on the, well, we have a, uh, we have a Facebook page, how to be queer, um, podcast. We have, uh, the, the grams of Insta as bro friend says, Oh my Um, God, I have no idea what any of this shit is. (laughs) Instagram, uh, balls of magic. And again, our email emails with your questions, comments, stories, all the love, all the things, how to be queer podcast at gmail.com. And that's it for today. That's it for today. That's it for today. We'll be back next week. What are we talking about next week? Sex part two. Oh, well, I may have to take a, a break from all the sex talk. Okay. Well, we'll, it's, we'll a, or it's organic, it's organic, orgasmic, organic. Uh, <laughs> i just drop that in there. Okay. Okay. Love y'all. Love y'all. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.